Good evening, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. Thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, tonight, we have a very special guest coming on to the podcast to talk about the recently created Evangelion fanzine Rebirth Dilemma. Uh, but before we introduce our guest, who is the other co-host that I have on with me this evening? Hi, it's Tori. Hi, Tori. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. And special guest, would you mind introducing yourself? Hi, um, my name's Susan, or online. I go by Meta and Potatoes, and I'm happy to be here tonight. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I absolutely love your uh, punny uh, internet handle. I think it's hilarious, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. It's the only good username idea I've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) What was the inspiration for that? Was it just the the funny pun, or...? Um, I think when I was... 18, I wanted to write a blog about cooking and philosophy. Um, so it just came to mind instead of meat and potatoes. Yeah. We're uh, extremely glad to have you on the episode here tonight to talk about one of our favorite things, of course, uh, the iconic series uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is, of course, where we get our namesake from. So uh, we are huge fans of Ava, and as are yourself. And uh, so we're super excited to talk about the zine that you created, which is pretty awesome. But uh, before that, um, in the last episode, um, I asked myself and um, our co-host Bill what our anime New Year's resolutions were for 2020, because we are in a year, in a new year now, as of the time of this recording. So, Tori, Mm -hmm. in 2020, what would you like to accomplish when it comes to anime? Um... I think watching a few shows that are out of my genre Mm -hmm. comfort would probably be something good and interesting for me this year. Do you have anything specific you would like to watch? Uh, no. No, No, I don't. (laughs) Um, I want to watch Finland Saga. Mm -hmm. Those usually aren't the kind of things that I watch. Um, So I think that might be good. And I also thought about not keeping up with airing stuff as much Mm -hmm. and trying to knock some stuff out of my backlog. And then maybe I won't be as burnt out. (laughs) That would probably be a good practice. I haven't really, I mean, I've never sort of been a seasonal anime watcher myself. I've Mm -hmm. mentioned that a couple times on the podcast. Um, But yeah, I, I agree. I think trying to keep up with the seasonal grind is a great recipe for burnout. So I would not, uh, yeah. Not not recommend anyone to do that. So what about yourself, Meta? What do, what would you like to accomplish this year? So it's funny you all say that because I would like to keep up with at least one seasonal anime. Oh, I see. <laughs> the other side of the coin. Uh, you yeah, stole my yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've just been really bad about watching anime when it airs. Mm. I watch everything like five years later. Mm, I see. Yeah. So you want to keep so. up more so with the zeitgeist. Yes, but only one maybe t- well oh this season it's two so. <laughs> Wait, which two which two yeah. um keep your hands off azoken is really fantastic and i, I had uh, a feeling you were gonna say that one because yeah. that one seems to have really taken off and we are we yeah. are also big fans of yuasa over here yes oh my goodness i i I can't hate anything he does. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> it's all extremely good. Yeah. I've got, yeah. I've bought Kaiba maybe four, three years ago at this point. I mm-hmm. still have never watched it all, but uh, it's, it's all, definitely one of those on my 2020 knockout list of being like, you know, it's sitting here collecting dust. I should <laughs> at least watch it and then put it back so that it can collect dust. Yes. 
That's okay. <laughs> and then the other one this season is Haikyuu. Oh, yeah. very good. You know, yeah. they just put Haikyuu on Netflix maybe yes. a month or two ago, and I've just now started watching a little bit of it, and it is infectiously enjoyable. Yes, it is just a straight shot of serotonin. <laughs> <laughs> just like, oh, I'm really happy now. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a lot of fun. It's it's very uh very enjoyable. It's Yes. I'm not super duper into sports anime. There are some that I like a whole bunch. Like I really enjoyed Yuri on Ice and I really mm. liked Ping Pong, but um like and Free as well, but like Kuroko I tried and it was like, eh, it was mm-hmm. all right. Um Ace of the Diamond I watched a little bit of, but uh Haikyuu mm-hmm. has really really hooked yeah. its claws into me pretty quickly. I actually, uh, for Dot and Line, I just wrote a guide to sports anime. Um, oh, nice. Free didn't make it on there because I consider it fan service. It is. That is a common yeah. criticism. <laughs> it is a common critique. Uh, like, good for QAnnie, but no, no thanks. And it's, it's funny, tangent, because they usually don't make shows like that. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like out of the left field for mm-hmm. them. So It's got to be their cash cow. That's true. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's a genius idea. going to be talking about the zine that you created called Rebirth Dilemma and it is a Evangelion fanzine and you have how many different creators that have contributed to this project? So we had 27 artists and seven writers which if my math is correct um, is 34 total contributors but we also had a musician and our awesome graphic designer Hazen. Mm. So it is. It is quite a quite a work, and um, I guess you would. Um, how many of these um, folks that you got to participate in the zine were like completely blind? Like they're folks that you announced the zine, and then they showed up. Oh, uh, let me think. I think thirty-two of them mostly. I think I emailed two or three people who. Um, there was someone who I loved her fanfiction, Marisol. Um, so I kind of, you know, blew up her inbox <laughs> <laughs> trying to get her to write. Um, and then there were a few others I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, mostly we we got over 225 applicants. Wow. Which was insane. Um, and we just went through them all and it's amazing how talented people are how dedicated people are to the show um and that they wanted to participate in something like this so i guess let's just go back to the basics a little bit Mm -hmm. so can you tell us how you became an anime fan and then more specifically how you came to love evangelion enough to want to put together a zine based around it yeah so i became an anime fan because every day after school in elementary school I would come home and eat my snack and get ready to go ice skating. Oh. And Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon were always on That'll do during it. that period. <laughs> yeah. So I, I watched them. Um, my father learned a lot <laughs> about anime 
and really encouraged me to be interested in Japan. Um, and then, you know, Toonami moved to Adult Swim and no one seemed to think that it was not something a child should watch. And I just kind of kept watching. The adult and Adult Swim is more of a guideline, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really is. <laughs> so I guess, um, how did you come to, sorry, to Evangelion drink. after that? Yeah, so I came to Evangelion uh, probably two years ago. Uh, and I know that's like really sacrilege and late. Um, but I was having a really hard time at work and I just hadn't really let myself enjoy anime for a few years. Um, I was focusing on, you know, working in politics and being like a boring human being. Um, so I had it sitting on my computer illegally, um, as you know, the only way to watch it until this last summer. Um, and I finally like, screw it, I'll watch it. And then I was even sadder. Um, but it was such a beautiful, it was just such a beautiful visual language for what I was feeling then. Um, and I think that's a really common experience. And, you know, and I actually know that it's a common experience because of all of the people who have told me why they're so excited about the zine and what the show means to them. And it's kind of just astounding that a show that was made 20 years ago and has like gone underground has that kind of impact on people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tori and I can probably say something very identical to, to your story there. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I watched Evangelion myself not not that long ago either, maybe about five or six years ago. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, because of Tori's uh, influence from being a mutuals yes. on Tumblr for quite a while. Um, so I, I came to really fall in love with like, for, like, first and foremost, just the design of the show, because that's what I saw the most of. And then once I actually got my teeth into the series, you know, I was going through that sort of post high school anxiety about, you know, con the constant struggle of who am I, you know, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, and Ava um, really spoke to that and continues to speak to that, I think, for, for myself, for sure. And it seems like that's a lot of folks' experience, just like you outlined. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I watched Ava was actually when they were airing it on Toonami, heavily mm. edited. Wow. Yeah. And um, I didn't really realize, like, I wasn't old enough, really, mm -hmm. to quite understand what was going on. So I was like, wow, robots, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and the only thing I could remember was the cave, the, not the cave, the volcano episode. Oh, perfect. <laughs> Love that one. Yeah. And, um, so fast forward years later, um, one of my convention friends, um, convinced me to get on Tumblr and they posted a lot about Ava and they were like the number one super Ray fan <laughs> and still oh are <laughs> in a very, them. in a very wholesome way. <laughs> and, um, so I was like, wow, um, you know, I see so many people talking about this and this was around the time where I started realizing that there were a lot of things wrong with me. And, um, so I, <laughs> that's a nice way to put it. I don't know how to put it any nicer than that. Um, and I rewatched it and then I remembered that I had seen this before. And then I started really like finding a lot of comfort in the characters and the situations, especially like Asuka and like the way she behaves and the reasons that make her tick. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just... Like, what I got out of that show then the first time I watched it, and if I were to rewatch it now, I'm sure I would get something completely different from it, but in a similar roundabout way. It's just... Yeah. 
it was like, you know, it's okay to hurt, but, and it's okay to feel bad, but you have to do your best to try to be better, is what I always took from it, so. And it's okay if you mess up. <laughs> yes. Working on this Dean basically required me to rewatch this series, like, three times. Uh, and yeah, it was really interesting how much, or it was really interesting what I got out of each time. Like, it kind of, I wasn't depressed anymore, for one. Like, I've been on meds, and it's been wonderful. Um, and, but it kind of became far more about this, like, beauty of being connected to other people. And, I mean, maybe I was primed to think that because I was working with, like, 40 people <laughs> to, to, like, make something. And then it, yeah, it finally abstracted itself to, to just, it's a really fascinating um, examination and appropriation of Christianity through a completely non-Christian cultural context. And I think it's really hard to get that. And that's my, my master's in divinity talking. <laughs> so That's really cool. Yeah. It's an interesting perspective that you're coming at it from. Um, I would like for you to elaborate on that if you could. On the claim about Evangelion or the divinity degree? I Both. guess just talking, <laughs> like speaking as a, as a student of divinity, like how do you, how, how, I know this is a, this is a, uh, an SAT question, but like how, how does Evangelion mean something different to you from that perspective of your studies? But, but my disclaimer is I studied Buddhism. Um, so Christianity, I mean, I grew up in, kind of steeped in Christianity, which is probably why I studied Buddhism. Um, but just like, like the episode that always comes to mind is episode seven, when Misato is standing and looking up at that guy from the rival organization and there's the cross behind him. Um, it's, it's just, I mean, I don't, I don't have to know what he was doing. I, I know some people say like, oh, he just picked up the Bible and like flipped to the cool pages and pulled it out and riffed on it and it's like fan fiction but i think i think there was some kind of system there <laughs> right right um and another another example is just the way you know quote unquote eastern religions have been transmitted to the to the west um it's been a bunch of white people discovering you know texts and caves and translating them and then saying oh that's buddhism like this entire region now has one religion that's called Buddhism. So seeing seeing Anno take the the symbology, the the vocabulary, um, and the the themes about sacrifice and, you know, I don't know which character is Jesus, but someone in Ava is definitely Jesus. <laughs> someone. Um, someone. <laughs> maybe all of them. Pen pen. Uh, it's pen pen. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Pen pen. It is pen pen. Um, <laughs> just seeing how he, this is so, this is so unsophisticated. Just seeing how he reshuffled them into something meaningful and new, I think is just like a, a really interesting artifact <laughs> for, for Christianity. Right. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think, I think you might feel similarly that when, um, a lot of people have the the hot take that like uh, of sort of what you outlined earlier about Anno just being like, okay, here's some Christian symbology, and I'm just going to take that and do neat, interesting things visually with it. 
Um, and people often just reduce that down to Anno just took the cool things and made it, you know, put it in his robot show. But um, but you are right. The, the the more deeper you look into it, the more sophisticated you see his um, mm-hmm. sort of execution of these ideas actually really tie in thematically with what he's mm-hmm. trying to do with the characters in the story. Like, it's it's not that... Ava is a explicitly Christian work. It's that it, but it, but it does play with those with those tropes in an interesting and um, pretty effective way. I think too that if it was just peppered in a few episodes here and there, maybe you could make that argument. Oh, it doesn't mean anything, but it's too fundamentally tied in to like everything throughout the series for mm-hmm. I, for it to be, I think, a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, that, yes, that's a really good way of putting it. It's just, it's too cohesive to be slapdash. Right, yeah. exactly. And, like, and of course, the... Anno, Anno is a huge, big nerd, so of course he's going to do huge, big nerd stuff, but he's also <laughs> a huge, big smart guy, too, yes. so he's both of those things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, even the uh, the Lelial episode, um, what is it called? The episode 16 in Sickness Unto Death. Like, there's a pretty legitimate reading of Kierkegaard going on there. So I think I think we should give Anno credit as a critical reader. Well, I think we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, so let's sort of go back to okay. back to the zine a little bit, like from from the from the from the ground up, I guess. So, um, you decided you wanted to make a zine. What do you do the day after? Oh, um, have a hangover. Have a hangover. Okay, kids, that is step one. Oh, I don't even want to. No, want to think about no. that. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure. So. Yai started this adventure with me, um, and even though she didn't quite make it to the end, she was very critical in in the zine happening at all. Um, so we had been talking about how excited we were that Evangelion was coming to Netflix, um, and you know, like the Haikyuu fandom, Fire Emblem, all of these modern fandoms just have so many zines. Yes. So true. Like, you cannot swing a dead cat without hitting like a new zine every five minutes. (laughs) Every Um, artist's alley you walk through, everybody's got their zine, which Mm -hmm. I mean is cool. That's cool. Oh, it's great. Um, But I really, you know, millennials uh, are, we we have jobs now, usually. (laughs) Uh, We've become theoretically independent people. And so- Theoretically uh, being the operative word. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can't single-handedly fix the economy, but I won't, I won't go into that. (laughs) (laughs) They're there, it's all right. (laughs) Um, So Yaya and I wanted to celebrate Evangelion being available to a new fan base while also giving older fans something to be excited about and an artifact, a beautiful thing 
to to have to celebrate how meaningful this show has been to them. Um, so I think, yeah, I thought I was bluffing, <laughs> but first mistake. I don't, yeah, I don't bluff. <laughs> um, if I if I say I'm gonna do something, I'm probably gonna do it. So the day after after, um, and I say I was hungover because a lot of wine was consumed. Um, yeah, you LCL. You ba- yes, a lot of L. You. <laughs> I don't want to drink that. I really just don't. <laughs> It's not good for you. Please don't drink it. <laughs> um, oh my god. So yeah, the next step is like, well, is it affordable to print? How do you make it affordable to print? Do people want to buy it? Um, what would it like not not visibly look like, but what would it look like? What would be in it? What kind of content would you want to find, etc. So it's a lot of Twitter polls asking, you know, would you buy this thing if I made it? Um, and would you participate in it? Like, is are there enough people interested to, you know, fill it with stuff? Um, I could probably write a book on Evangelion, but no one would want to read it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and it would be very dense and full of, like, philosophy references. Um, I would buy so, yeah. it, just, just to let you know oh, I would buy it. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank no problem. You. I'm sure you would have fascinate, more fascinating thoughts than I could come up with. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, after that, it's just a bunch of project management and spreadsheets. Um, Did you have a background in this? In publishing? Uh, publishing, project, product management, or project management, rather, yeah. any, anything going in? Or is this totally new territory for you? <laughs> um, I've been project management adjacent so i work in communication mm, oh uh, okay yeah yeah i'm sure that's very helpful it is yeah so i had like the mental scaffolding to understand like what i would need to be organized and not like have a totally bad shit experience i need to um, write that phrase down that's a good one mental scaffolding <laughs> write that down yeah for okay hold on yeah. <laughs> So I actually, I actually like put all the spreadsheets that I wound up making um, and kind of systems online for people to use if it if it's useful to them. Um, and that's a how to fan. It's at how to make a fanzine.card.co. So, yeah. So you you mentioned that you had like over two hundred and fifty sort of submissions for this. So mm-hmm. obviously your questions around if people would be interested in doing this were like extremely validated because yeah. clearly yes. that clearly there was there was some interest there um i think probably some of that is due to uh netflix hype but again it sort of seems like the evangelion fandom is always sort of something that's always lurking but mm-hmm. endlessly hungry for new ava mm-hmm. things to participate yes. in mm-hmm. um Especially since we are in a constant state of waiting for almost all of the time, because uh, you know, Evangelion is of course a a, um, a work about uh, repetition and uh, cycles yes. and things like that. So of course we've got movies to wait for, and then in the meantime we've got to occupy ourselves with something. So uh, so obviously the interest was there. So what do you do when you find out? Oh gosh, I guess I actually have to do this thing. <laughs> Um, that's, you know, that's one way to put it. <laughs> um, well, you, you, you choose people. <laughs> so, oh, how do I explain this? Um, on, so there, there are two, if 
kind of there are two prongs of attack to use war metaphors um there's choosing from these 250 people you know who is going to contribute to the zine and then there's you know cultivating an audience of people who want to buy the zine and there's Mm -hmm. some overlap there like i didn't want to piss off people when i rejected them because i kind of wanted them to buy the zine of course um um, whether or not they did is no judgment for me um so when i chose artists specifically artists not like artists as a catch-all term um i really wanted to make sure we were we i didn't want it to just i didn't want it to just be a zine of you know shinji and kaoru Right. Or a zine of just Shinji, Asuka, and Rei. Um, so we really had to work to make sure that not only were we choosing the best artists, but also their pitches <laughs> were like meaningfully different. Um, so a lot of people pitch like a similar thing, and it's like, okay, from this batch, like we can choose one of these, like one person with this pitch of Shinji, Asuka, and Rei, like sitting on a rock. Um, okay so yeah let me let me let me stop you there for just one second um so when it came to the artists were they pitching you art pieces that they intended to do or were they art pieces that already existed they were so we asked for all original work for the zine um and we asked them to pitch us what they would like to create and obviously like sometimes that changed um and we were clear that it could change so and then In terms of the writers, so we got a lot fewer writers, um, but that's fine because, you know, art usually takes up one or two pages and writing takes up like 10. Um, So we wanted to make sure, you know, we we have two pieces of kind of traditional fan fiction, but we also, like the Evangelion fandom is just really smart. (laughs) 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 They've had to watch watch this this thing and understand it. And, like, decide that they want to, you know, dedicate significant amount of time, like, significant amounts of time to it. (laughs) Right, right. They had to Um, decide that they did not hate it outright because it was too confusing or too too, um, chaotic, I suppose. (laughs) Exactly. Mm -hmm. It was just too too much. Well, thinking on it, now that you mentioned it, um, just going through artist alleys and, like, Etsy. Like, I look at a lot of fan art on Etsy. (laughs) Um... (laughs) zines just really consist from what I've seen over the past couple years like you said like what's current and popular right now like Fire Emblem I see a lot of Persona 5 um of sports stuff but the oldest until now maybe I'm just not looking hard enough that I've seen is Sailor Moon there was a Sailor Moon like Magical Girl themed zine that I came across at one convention and um it just blows my mind that you know it just it's hyper focused it seems on the newness and um there's still a fandom for all these things out there yes yes and like i said now we have you know stable income and you know we're, we don't have to ask our parents like hey can i borrow a 30 for a zine <laughs> mom's like what's a thing? zine <laughs> yeah this thing i don't want to explain to you <laughs> um god but speaking of the submissions um i know in the front of the zine there was like five six other names listed that helped you throughout this creative process but when you had like these hundreds and hundreds of submissions what was the process like going through those like how did you decide you know 
I think this work should be there, but this work's also really good, but we'll pick this one instead because I feel like in a dream world, all 200 and some submissions that you mentioned would have been in one volume, but... (laughs) Yeah, Um, and I want to come back to kind of what we were talking about earlier. Um, So let me me say one thing first. Um, I think with the with Rebirth Dilemma, I didn't want to just create like a book of pretty art and like nice writing. I wanted to really like create an artifact that appreciates, you know, what not only what Evangelion means to people, but what means for the culture. Um, and that's why I included analysis on top of you know on top of fan fiction. Um, and I feel like calling it fan fiction <laughs> is kind of doing it a disservice. Um, but moving to your next question. Yeah. <laughs> spreadsheets. spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> lots of spreadsheets. Um, so I, we had a numerical system to winnow people down. Um, so we gave them numerical scores across domains. Like, you know, is the grammar correct? Is it, is the spelling correct? Do they seem to have like a basic control across their samples of anatomy? Um, is there consistency across samples? Um, and then we we kind of averaged all of that out. Some of them were more. Some of them were weighted. Um, some of the the domains of wait. Some of the domains we scored people on had more weight than others. Um, so we basically just cut everyone unless one of their pieces like really impressed us, we just cut everyone below a certain score and then, and then we started haggling. Um, and so this is, Yai, Yai helped me out with this. You know, Yai was still involved with this zine for this part. So it was like very helpful to have not only just another human, but like another aesthetic sensibility helping out with that part. Um, so yeah, we just haggled. We went through people one by one wrote down the pros and cons um debated over their you know their pitch and that's when that's when like I said some people just got cut because their pitches were too similar so gotcha I feel like I would have been totally overwhelmed by all of that so (laughs) kudos to you guys (laughs) (laughs) oh man and um I like what you said about having people with other like aesthetic sensibilities because you know art that you might like might not necessarily be art that I like or you know art that Austin likes Mm -hmm. might not be art that I enjoy or something so I think when you're bringing in other people with a different eye for things that really helps it be um or become a lot more cohesive because it's just not the same like I'm only putting the stuff that I like in this and Mm -hmm. If that's what somebody chooses to do, you know, nothing wrong with that. But I think it makes it a little more exciting um, to just have the different, um, oh, what's the word I want to use? The different mediums um, Mm -hmm. that are in this. Because I, when I saw the physical of the physical copy of this, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a zine with essays and thoughts. And it's like you said, it's just all art. Um, So I think that was really interesting um, for you guys to kind of portray it that way. Writing is an art. Um, thoughts are an art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. as a, as a writer, I, I fully agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, but the other element of choosing people was also just sometimes we had to suspend both of our aesthetic kind of preferences to say, what does an audience expect of an Evangelion scene? Like they're going to want art 
of unit one. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Like, like, what can we get from that? The artists we asked were really flexible, um, working with our, our requests and kind of brainstorming with us about directions they could push their pieces. So that was that was really lovely. Um, so was, 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 was that sort of flexibility in the sense of being like, hey, artist who I trust, I know you would like to draw Asuka, but we need something of Gendo. Would you mind doing that instead? Um, no, it was nothing that blatant. Um, I, I mean... So I was operating simultaneously as an editor and a quote-unquote artist. Um, so it was a lot of, like, what would I be peeved about if someone, you know, on the, <laughs> if I was on the other end and someone was asking me this question. I think the biggest example is um, the artists we paired up with writers, uh, because usually that just totally, you know, it was like, you, we thank you for giving us a pitch but we have this totally different thing. And if you want to do it, we'd be really happy to have you. Uh, and I think that the, the illustrators did such a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's, that's really, I mean, I guess it's difficult to create something from scratch, but it's, yeah, it's also difficult to create something that complements like another person's work. Mm-hmm, right, right. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And was that was that sort of part of the uh, artist's application, um, sort of informing them that they might get paired with a writer to do certain pieces based on their written pieces? Um, no, actually, that was an idea that was had afterward. And if I do if I do another zine, I would let people know. Um, but I think that's where I mean another kind of difference I see between. Rebirth Dilemma and kind of the other zines that are going on out there is, you know, the people, the people who run most zines call themselves moderators. Um, but yeah, this was like an, like not to talk myself up, but this was an editor position. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think I would want to, would have wanted to segment off people as only possible illustrators, just because it was a lot of like, well, how does this person's style work with this person's like writing style? Um, you know, what do their samples bring out that like seem to vibe with you know Marisol's kind of surrealist craziness um, or Mist's kind of very cut and dry ray? Like the same art wouldn't have worked for those. <laughs> like after you finally got all this together and made it out of the fray um do you feel like you picked up any skills from all this that would help you on the future project or just in life oh yeah (laughs) 
All right. Um, <laughs> Let's hear them. I, sh- I showed all of my spreadsheets to my actual project manager at work. And she was, uh-huh. she was like, oh, you should just do my job. And I was like, God, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would die. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, you know, so I, I did the zine at the same time as I was applying for MFA program and to do the JET program um, for teaching oh. in Japan. Um, which was yeah. you're a busy bee yeah it was chaos i was like oh i didn't time any of this well <laughs> like i'm like shipping boxes while like writing personal essays um uh where was i going uh skills that you picked skills. up yeah so yes. i think like i think it was very similar to and you know i hope i hope i don't piss off any lit bag editors, editors that might be anime fans um, I think it's fairly similar to running a literary magazine. Um, mm-hmm. So that was interesting. And it was really interesting to, you know, as a writer, now I have a much better understanding of how editors work um, and mm. what they're looking mm-hmm. for and what can turn them off in a piece of writing that's otherwise good, etc. cetera. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially if they're getting hundreds of, of submissions. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, right. And I think um, your um, your approach there is sort of treating this maybe accidentally or maybe on purpose because that's where your skill set is. But like organizing this like a literary magazine, I think, is what really brings out the sheer quality of it. Like it is a it is a very well realized like multimedia work, mm-hmm. and um, it looks like something that I could find at the bookstore. So it's ex- I mean it's extremely professional. I mean I, I not to say that other zines are not professional, but this one in particular just it comes together so well. So my my hat is sincerely off to you for that. Thank you. I that makes me really happy. So. At, at heart, I'm fundamentally a snob. Um, <laughs> so you that know, can be an asset. Yeah. yeah. So, like, my joke is is I should just work for, like, Saks Fifth Avenue or something because I go into the store <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, I like this. And it's the most expensive thing in the store. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. It's, it's a skill. I think it's a skill. Mm-hmm. Um, we have good taste. Yeah. We have great taste, clearly. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I... I wanted to make something beautiful where the paper felt nice and that felt substantial in your hand. And you're mm-hmm. like, I'm glad I spent 30 bucks on this. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, not to uh, some zines, you get them in the mail and you're like, Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, this paper is going to rip if I like look at it wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I've seen some that have looked like they were just printed on, um, printer paper yeah. and then stapled together at home and like that's kind of like cool a little bit but also you know reflect that in your price yes <laughs> and i mean so there is also this like fundamental disagreement over whether what i've made should be called a zine um i think it's like a fan book is a better word because mm. you know zines were these things in the 90s that you, you did mm-hmm. photocopy and draw by hand yeah. and like sent them out to your little mailing list they were punk. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually what I was going to like use just yeah. a minute ago, but mm-hmm. then I was like, nah, somebody will call me out for that. <laughs> no, they were punk. And, yeah. you know, the zines that are being produced today, I mean, some of them are punk, but mm-hmm. these, this kind of anime fanzine in particular, is this glossy, like, capitalist thing. So, mm-hmm. capitalist used in mm-hmm. kind of not a bad way. 
Yeah, how 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 dare I have to have paid you money in order to get this? <laughs> For yeah. your goods and services. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess on the same hand, like, did you have a moment where you were just like, I can't do this. This is never going to get done. Um, I don't know if this is going to work out. Things like that. Like, what is the hardest thing or this like worst struggle you had with this? I had shockingly minimal freakouts on this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Good for you. That's awesome. I think when my living room was like literally full of boxes. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I remember God. you posting a posting a photo of that. Yeah. Wow. Say that again. I said I remember you posting a photo of that on uh, on your Twitter, I believe. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of like friends come over. I have beer. Please help me. <laughs> Help me pack. Yeah, I think <laughs> shipping was the biggest challenge. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I undercharged for shipping a bit, um, not to the point, obviously, where I didn't profit. But that was a good learning experience of for sure. you know, just how USPS works. <laughs> right. Yep. So I guess, um, and this this is an extremely technical conversation, but I have you, so I'm going to ask it anyway. Yeah, it's fine. So how how does it work from like a publishing perspective? How how do you set your price? How do you figure out like okay, this zine, um, including the postcards and the stickers, how do you figure out exactly how much this thing is going to cost? Mm-hmm so that you do not lose too much money yourself. And I know, and you can talk about what you did with the profits as part of that conversation, but how do you get to that point where it's like, okay, this thing is 30 bucks? Okay, yes. Um, so I had a <laughs> capitalism fairy who is my um, my friend who is a self-described, wow. My friend is a self-described capitalist monster. Um, so she helped me with the pricing. <laughs> is there any other kind? No. <laughs> um, oh, I, love I love her that. dearly. Um, but yeah, a lot of spreadsheets. That's, I feel mm-hmm. like that's my answer to everything. This is a recurring theme. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you make well, a zine, doing everything you on a spreadsheet. spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but to kind of get into the granular details of it, it's a lot of, you know, I had three projections. I had a world in which I was only producing 50 zines, a world in Mm -hmm. which I was producing 100, and a world in which I was producing 150. And obviously Mm. the cost to make the zine decreases as you make Make more. more. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Um, So it was, I just made sure that I had a solid grasp on how much each unit cost me. Um, Mm. And then... Yeah, it, it was just kind of my capitalist monster telling me how much to mark it up based on mm-hmm. their Silicon Valley learnings. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But while also like thinking, you know, while also thinking I didn't want to hurt people's pocketbooks or make them feel like I was trying to get the maximum profit out of it. Like mm-hmm. I, I could have charged more, but, mm-hmm. you know, if people... If people, if that discourages people, not from buying it, but from feeling good about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was a, that was a negative to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, as as a from a consumer's perspective, um, I would say that you know, knowing ahead of time that this was a labor of love, that was a um, collaboration between like a ton of different people coming together to make something really, really cool. Like I had absolutely no qualms with paying the price point for this thing because it is, it's worth it. I mean, it's, it's totally worth it because I I knew exactly what was going into it. 
Yeah, I never feel, I'm that kind of person that, like, when I buy stuff, I feel guilty because I know I shouldn't be buying things. Um, but, like, when I spend that money on art, like, yeah. at artist alleys or whatever, and I'm giving that money directly to someone I know who is going to use it to live and, like, mm-hmm. make more art and live their best life, like, I never feel bad about that. So I'm not one of those people you'll see who are like, wow, they're charging, like, $40 for that. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, going back to the beginning of the episode, I think that's a really good anime New Year's resolution, too, um, mm-hmm. is to just buy your merch, quote-unquote, local. <laughs> like, yes. buy it from mm-hmm. people who you not know, but are individuals. <laughs> yes. Right, right, and and I'm a really big fan of, like, supporting the smaller companies that work in mm-hmm. anime, like, even if they're in the industry, like, I'm a really big fan of Discotech, for example, because they're one of the few, like, still independent, like, anime publishers out there that is sort of they're they're not owned by sony they're not owned by at&t um they're still kind of ruffling it roughing it on their own so whenever they put out a release that i really really want i don't mind paying kind of a premium to get that because i know that it's going to sort of a an anime mom and pop and uh you know that that's sort of one of the bigger examples but uh, obviously that's true even for like individual artists who are doing things you know roughing it in the artist sally or roughing it on social media trying to trying to sell their stuff so that's a that's a really good way to put it um buy anime buy anime local yes grass yeah. grass fed yeah. <laughs> hormone free hormone free <laughs> free range <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to have anything evangelion related that is hormone free valid oh god <laughs> <laughs> that's true um Brunt. yeah go on no, I was just making a making a drum sound because I was just laughing <laughs> oh. at my own joke. So um, don't mind me. You're fine. You know, spending spending thirty dollars on a T-shirt uh, with um, original art hits a lot differently than going mm-hmm. into the mall and spending thirty dollars for like yes Something. unapproved <laughs> copyright logos on a shirt. <laughs> Agreed. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think if I if I do another zine, which we can talk about if we want to please please um i will instead of donating i i just want to pay the artists that's Mm. i felt slightly bad about not being able to do that because they do Mm -hmm. put a lot of work into things and i know that because i wrote stuff for the zine and i know how much Mm -hmm. work i put into that right right Definitely, you you should be paid in accordance with your labor. Yes. For sure. Yes. But uh, but anyway, I mean, do you do you want to talk about you know what you were able to do with the profits from this? Yeah. So we wound up with about seven hundred and fifty dollars of profit. Um, nice. Five hundred of that went to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, um, which mm-hmm. is you know a really great nonprofit. That even some of the people who bought the zine have told me how Nami has like changed their lives. Um, wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So $500 went to the National Alliance for Mental Illness. Um, I get that proposition wrong every time. Um, and the remaining 250 went to the various apartment building workers who helped me haul boxes up. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and, oh, that's and the, great. And the postman. <laughs> so, uh, Bless him. I couldn't even imagine. Yeah, but... Um, when Austin received his and told me, you know, that's what was going to be done with that, that really, that made me so happy. Because <laughs> um, I know that's a resource mm-hmm. that a lot of people monetarily undervalue. And yes. it's so expensive um, 
like, personally, this is very, like, personal, but Mm -hmm. I'm in debt for therapy. And, like, knowing that these resources exist and um, people can get help and people care enough to put things like this together to be able to donate and things like that is, is just so important and... Yeah, that was very pleasing. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm I'm the same. If I didn't have access to therapy, I would be a mess. <laughs> um, mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I might not be here. So mm-hmm. it, it's it's really important to help things to help things like Nani. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And this this um this conversation is sort of related to my next question about like well we talked a lot about the pre zine and the during the zine time mm-hmm. but what has been the response to it like how have people reacted? Um, everyone seems happy. <laughs> Good, awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. Success. I've gotten a lot of great response on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Um, I think it's one of those things where how do I say this? Um, I think it's what people, not what they expected. I think it's just to the level that they expect when they put $30 down on something. And, you know, they're kind of surprised by that because it's just Mm -hmm. this weird person online working in their apartment, (laughs) 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 you know, with cat hair on the packaging tape. <laughs> that makes it extra special. Yeah. Well, I, I have a cat, so anything I was gonna have mailed to me is gonna get cat hair yeah. on it anyway, so it doesn't matter. It's like, oh god, I hope no one's deathly allergic to cats. I do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the response has been great. Um, and I've actually like made a lot of friends through the zine. Um, great. You cool. know, they say you can't make friends in adulthood. I have like twenty new friends from last year. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. That, and and for an adult, that's that's extremely high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now perhaps two more when you guys come to yes. TV. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You can consider us among your friends Excellent. for sure. Same to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, so you mentioned the idea of possibly doing another zine in the future. <laughs> do you have any idea what you would want to do it on? Yes. Um. So the, oh God, <laughs> this is where I'm like getting way too ambitious. I think it would be really cool to do a retrospective on Toonami. Um, mm. And nice. not only about the individual shows that were on Toonami, but just the aesthetic and kind of the music, the overall existence of like a mm-hmm. safe space like that for nerds. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, and especially because um, I don't know if you saw the showrunner of Adult Swim is retiring. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, I saw that headline maybe yesterday. So I think it would be really cool to do something like that. I think mm-hmm. it would be huge, um, mm-hmm. and probably like twice the size of this scene. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that would mean a lot to people too. You mean literally twice the size yeah. or twice the size in scope? Uh, both. <laughs> both? <laughs> but like, like things like Yu Yu Hakusho, I don't know if you guys are a fan of mm-hmm. Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I I confess I was not a oh. Toonami anime fan. I came to it like I was aware of Toonami, but I was too busy watching Spider-Man. Okay, so I was kind of okay. that dork. <laughs> Um, but Tori is a Toonami kid, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of us, uh, uh, their co-hosts on this podcast are definitely Toonami yeah. kids. 
um one especially who does um our co-host tobias he does a retrospective of 90s anime fandom as a convention panel oh cool um so if that is something that you plan on doing in the future i will certainly forward him your way and he could probably hammer you out some uh some interesting written content for that yeah because it's Um, it's you know like tori was saying earlier there are these great shows that have mm -hmm. just really influenced people's lives and how mm-hmm. they you know create art and how they think about the world and there's just no attention paid to them anymore right yeah. Yeah. right for like, sure and they deserve I, fan I, content too yeah absolutely and i would i would argue that probably nostalgia for tsunami is in part what has fueled this craze of people being really into lo-fi hip-hop yes <laughs> definitely yeah yeah uh, that's a ph dish that's a dissertation <laughs> Yeah. Yep. I'm claiming it it's mine. Me peace anymore. have one question from one of our uh, patrons here that we'd like to pose to you okay let's see so peach pepsi asks for meta and potatoes i was wondering what you emotionally got out of evangelion that made it important in your life oh <laughs> i'll let me just carve, loaded question let me just carve out another another hour and a half yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um for me evangelion is about just this fact that you you can't exist by yourself um and that you need other people it's okay to rely on them um it's okay to need them and that's not you know putting anything upon them it's not being a burden to them um i think you know i lost my dad when i was 12 not to get too heavy Mm. um and I think I went through like a really long period where I just thought I could fold up into myself and and disappear, um, mm. which is you know why my favorite episode is the episode with the Dirac C. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just just the despite how sad it is, and despite you know how how broken and and traumatized Shinji is, it's just. Evangelion's so fundamentally optimistic about mm-hmm. about what we could get from the world and just how beautiful it is to be here, um, and mm-hmm. that that kind of optimism has like has meaningfully actually kept me alive at points, um, and I yeah. just don't think I would be here if I hadn't learned from things like Evangelion how to see the world that way. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, I I I completely agree with your with your assessment of the series being you know it's a it's a really like horrible ride but in the end it ends up being worth it because sort of the the risk you run by um opening yourself up to pain is the same risk that you run opening yourself up to love yes um and ava is a wonderful um sort of encapsulation of that feeling yes Um, and you know i i think everyone yeah I think Kaoru in that single episode is so indicative of that, of just like how 
how love can save you even if it mm -hmm. hurts you yeah right absolutely yeah well, on a completely flip side of that question, <laughs> so um, if you, if you, I know this is this is hard, but if you had to pick, like, let's say, one piece of art for the whole thing, and you could only hang one of them on the wall, which one would it be? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> you know, no, I was going to ask the that poster. question. <laughs> which one? Aside from the poster. Yes, aside yeah. from the poster. Um, can I can I choose a tie? No. Sure, why not? Okay, so <laughs> I'm cheating in two ways here, because <laughs> one of them is... <laughs> not only is it a tie, but you're also cheating? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> um, you know, uh, Christy Henry and Mega Moth's poem, Awakened and Set mm -hmm. Free, is like the most beautiful thing I've probably ever seen. Um, just the way they collaborated to make that visual poem is mind-blowing. So I would I would choose either that, which is technically three pictures, <laughs> um, or I would choose Max's Goya inspired, uh, you know, Evangelion eating the angel at the end. Oh mm, yeah, that's yeah. cool. He's a, he's, a one. he's a medical illustrator, so he's whoa. It's yeah. Wow. The people in that's the cool. scene are crazy talented. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Um. Do we want to say ours? Yeah, I want to. So, so okay, I need to know what you guys think of the scene. <laughs> like, oh, what sure. were your favorite parts? What was unexpected? Yeah. Hmm. Well, Tori, you go ahead and go first. Um, like I said, I think what was most unexpected for me was all of the writing because I've never really seen that done before, and um, I think it was cool. It was just a different take on things, and um. Um, I enjoyed just reading through all of it. Um, and then as far as art goes, oh my gosh, um, I really like the piece that looks like the trio or cut out of paper. Oh, um, yes, the paper cut. That one is really cool, because I know I've watched, like, videos, um, I follow, like, a lot of artists on YouTube, so, um, I've seen how long and how much, like, uh, patience and intricacy that mm -hmm. takes, so I thought that was really cool. Um, Stephanie and, actually has made a paper cut movie. <laughs> wow! What? Okay, okay yeah. we have to watch that. <laughs> yeah, that is so cool. Um, oh my gosh, artists are just incredible people. But um, Black I magic. also like the. <laughs> I know. I like the pieces. Uh, the two pieces with Oscar at the end, where she's mm. kind of like dismembered a little bit. But that's like just bias because I just really like relate and find myself in that character a lot. Mm. Um, but. I don't know. It's also good. It's hard. <laughs> good. It is hard. Yeah. So I I love it. Um, I've really never seen anything quite with so much. Oh, sounds mean. With so much attention put into it, I guess. Um, and just thought process put into it. It's just more. It's more than the typical thing that you would see in a similar vein, if that makes sense. And I have I have to say, um, our our the guy who laid out how like who made it how do i say this the graphic designer is that what he is um, sure that'll work yeah, yeah the, the guy who who laid out the book like mm -hmm. his value add was in, like insane um because i if i had had to make the pdf for this book it would have been very different <laughs> yeah. I, I was really scared of having to do that um, so Hazen made my life a lot easier, but the way he thought about, 
you know, what art should appear together, how should things mm-hmm. appear between the stories. Um, yeah, it was the attention to detail. Is, yeah, and it flows. It flows yeah. very well. It never feels like jarring or like I never thought, you know, why is this here versus this? It just flows incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so. all Hazen. <laughs> Good job. Hats off, hats off. Yeah. Um, I th- I'd probably have to say my favorite um, written piece is probably the one at the very, very end about sort of Misato. Mm. Um, I really like that one a lot because it sort of goes along with my very correct theory that like Misato is like the linchpin of the whole show because like she perfectly sort of um, represents the, the two sides of the sort of opposing forces in the Mm -hmm. show of like the adults and the children Um, because she is in a way a, a transitional figure because she is both an adult and a child in a lot of ways. Um, and sort of like every, everything that um like every anxiety like in some way or another Mm -hmm. every anxiety that shows up in the show in one of the characters is also also comes through misato in in that same way Mm -hmm. and um i think it's i think it's interesting that she's not the main character of the show um but in a lot of ways she she kind of is she kind of is the main character of the show Mm -hmm. i really like uh, that piece too it's It's really well thought out it's very good and it's very um it's very open about how the Christian symbolism is used um, and is not dismissive about it and mm-hmm. is very thoughtful about about um, the characterization of um, of that element of the show. And I just I, I appreciate the, the takes like that because, mm-hmm. you know, um, t- to me, the the um, like the the worth the quote unquote worthlessness of the Christian symbolism was not something that ever occurred to me whenever I watched it the mm-hmm. first time. It was just a take that I realized existed way after the fact whenever I was reading commentary about it. Um, so if you judge it by purely the show itself, it's like, yeah, there is a lot of meaning here, and I, mm-hmm. I appreciate that a lot. And uh, that essay is a great um, great explanation of all that stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, very H- good. Hillary is another divinity school. <laughs> oh, amazing. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where that's coming from. <laughs> but on the opposite side of that, I love the one that you actually made into a poster because I love all the little squiggly ones. Like the, yes. <laughs> how like Shinji Asuka and everybody's mm-hmm. all like squiggly and Ray's just holding them there. It's just a very, it's a very kind of eerie mm-hmm. thing, but it's also cute yes. at the same time. So When um, he sent me that poster, when Eric sent me that poster, I was like, wow, I never could have told you that this is what I was going to get for the poster. <laughs> and, it's and I so love good. It. Yeah. it's so good i love it yeah yes so so good it's cute in the only in the way that evangelion can be cute yeah <laughs> so true thing I would mention is just yeah at the very beginning there's the quote from the show that it's okay for you to be here in this world um, mm. 
And like, that's just, that's what I think Evangelion tells people. And that's what I want them to get from this Dean and knowing that, you know, people, I want people to know that there are other people out there in the world who care about the things they do and who, who celebrate them. And yeah, that's really sappy. <laughs> no, I, I love I that. Yeah. Feel that though. <laughs> our, our, our sad, broken world needs a little bit more yeah. sappiness, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like that kind of plays on the one line um, that's always stuck with me. That's just like anywhere can be paradise mm-hmm. as long as you have the will to live. And, you know, I don't always believe that for myself, but I appreciate the, the sentiment. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to, and other people should believe that too. Mm-hmm. It's a good goal. Yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Even if you can't do it, it's good to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Meta, thank you so very much for joining us for this episode this evening. Thank yeah, you for fun. having me. <laughs> of course. And maybe we'll have you back on at another time to maybe talk about another zine. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once that headache is over for you. <laughs> yes. I'm still. So, oh, I need to plug. I still have about 20 copies of the zine um, oh, with yeah. or without the merchandise. Um, mm-hmm. so if you want a copy, they're still on sale and you can email mm-hmm. rebirth dilemma at G no, you can email rebirth dilemma zine at gmail.com. <laughs> <I think. laughs> and we will include a uh, link for you to buy the, uh, the zine in the show notes for this episode, dear listeners. So if you want to pick up the thing that we've been talking about for this entire episode and you want to actually see it for yourself, which you definitely do. Um, go follow that link and get yourself a copy before they're gone forever. Oh, no. <laughs> Until the rebuild of the Rebirth oh. Dilemma comes out, nope. you know, 10 years later. <laughs> Re-Rebirth Dilemma, I don't <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well definitely thank you so much again for coming on to this episode so if people want to follow you and the creative projects that you get yourself involved with where can they do that on the internet so they can do that at two places um one is just at meta and potatoes on twitter and the other is at susan b on twitter um so the first one is my anime account and the second one is where i have serious thoughts about writing um so yeah choose your choose your adventure (laughs) (laughs) and as for us at third impact anime again my name is austin i'm tori and you can find us most easily on our brand twitter i guess you would call it that on twitter.com slash ti underscore anime you can follow me personally over on twitter at bebop shock that's bebop as in cowboy bebop and shock as in I am so shocked that the zine is so good. I don't. I, I, that was not great. But anyway, um, you, you can great. also find. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, you can also find all of our stuff over on our website, thirdimpactanime.com. You also have a website for Rebirth Dilemma, correct? Oh, yes. It is rebirthdilemma.com. Um, I That's, need to slightly update it. It's very self explanatory. Good fine. to know. Um, <laughs> And yes, you can find all the Rebirth Dilemma related things that you would ever want to find over there on that website. And you can find all of the third impact anime things you could ever want over on our website. So again, Meta, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you listeners for listening. And we'll see you in the next one. Goodbye. Sorry, sorry, no one.